podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. It's time to get your checking account to zero with free checking from PenFed. That's zero ATM fees, zero balance requirements, and zero time spent waiting for your paycheck to direct deposit because you can receive it up to two days early. Open your account with just $25 and see how big zero can be. Apply online today at penfed.org slash free checking. Early direct deposit eligibility may vary between pay periods and timing of payers' funding. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed, insured by NCUA. To the Five Year Plan Podcast. Whee. It's Pod Four Five Nine, I think, and it's uh, the Pod After Palace have drawn nil nil with Newcastle United for the third time. This we should just put the old two of the old pods out and just uh, pretended it was the same one. Anyway, uh, joining me, uh, Jack Pierce. Jack, how are you? I'm, I'm all right. I'm a little bit under the weather. I was just saying before we started recording. I think two nights under the lights uh, might have got me. But yeah, hopefully I sound okay. You sound absolutely gorgeous. Um, <laughs> thank you. Well, that's, thank you. That's very nice. It's just nice to hand out compliments now and then. You know, we all need it. <laughs> um, also joining us, making a pod debut, uh, it's Ruben Pinder. Ruben, how are you doing? Welcome to the podcast. Thank you very much for having me. Yeah, um, buzzing to make my debut. Just hope I can go out there and do the fans proud. You know, <laughs> most important things are three points, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Beautifully done. If you can be as good as David Ozo was at the weekend, then I think you're on for a strong FYP career. Um, before Jim, we Jim, I, I, well, I do like you've um, you felt that Palace not completing any transfers meant that you had to go out <laughs> to the market and, uh, and and get some get some new blood in. We've had a strong season transfer wise, I would say. FYP, yeah, and then Palace. Some very strong. It's not difficult. It's uh, a very strong additions. Uh, before we go anywhere, then can I get a drum roll for a random patron, please? It's Mister. Rob Billington. Hey, Rob. Hi, Rob. Great Wee. name. Great name. Rob yeah, Billington. Sounds, sounds like a town in West Sussex, Billington. It does. It sounds, sort of, sounds like a character from sort of Post from Pat, possibly, Mr. Billington. Or maybe it's maybe sort of more Enid Blyton books. Anyway, we'll talk about... A cartoon accountant or something. Yeah. <laughs> exactly, yeah. <laughs> Get those files on my table, Billington. Um, anyway. Anyway, thank, uh, thank, thanks for signing thanks, up Rob. every month. Yeah, we don't take the mick out of everyone. Actually, we do, actually. Uh, anyway, uh, you can join our patron like Rob does and get uh, post-match podcasts, uh, patron-only merchandise, uh, which is being sorted right now, the, the recent run of that. Um, extra content on every main pod, including this one, um, and access to the Discord club at patreon.com slash FYP podcast. Um, no sponsors this week on the main pod. But if you are own a local company or a local person of note, I don't know, anyone that fancies a shout out on the podcast, uh, do get in contact for our rates. Uh, person of local note. Local person of note. <laughs> are you a local? Do you consider yourself to be a local person of note? <laughs> We're going to get like the if mayor so, of Croydon. So. Oh, let's not get political. Let's not get political. No, okay, sorry. Yeah, that, that, that is an actual role now. So Yeah, fair, 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 fair. Um, anyway, get in contact with us. Uh, contact at fypfanzine.uk or any of our socials and uh, we can take you through. All the bits and bobs there. Uh, one of the last few shouts to my solo show, Jim Daly Football and Fatherhood, which is at the uh, the Bill Murray Angel Comedy on February the 9th. It's a Thursday night, 6.30pm. 
tickets are eight quid so what's that two weeks away um i am getting it filmed so it'll be lovely to have a nice packed room so if anyone had been thinking about coming to see me do comedy or heard me banging on about this show during the edinburgh fringe uh please do come along uh still some tickets available um and it's going to be a fun night lots of palace content in the show if that helps sway anyone uh speaking of palace then jack nil nil against newcastle we should have seen this one coming should have known it surely should have seen it coming. Particularly with Nick Poping, though. He does seem quite unbeatable at the moment. And uh, I think that's the best save I've seen on Selhurst this season. Yeah. I think, I think so. Yeah. Um, it looked like it was going in. Um, it, you know, fair play to, to JP. He absolutely smashed that. And It was similar to the De Gea one before, wasn't it? From Ed, from that Edouard shot. Edouard one. Yeah. yeah it was so close. So mm. close. Um, yeah. Really good save. Uh, that's really the only moment of quality Pope save, I think. I, I, the game was really lacking. Um, I'm, I'm friends of a Newcastle fan, for my sins. For my sins. <laughs> Lovely. Um, and uh, he, he asked about the game he watched on TV, and he said, was it any different being there? And I, I, I felt that Newcastle had most of the ball um, and kind of dictated the pace of the game and the flow of the game. Gamarash in the middles, very good. But in terms of the best chances, I think Chris Richards unmarked header in the first half and, and that... Um, shot from Matessa with the Nick Pope save were probably the two best chances of the game. So I think a point's probably fair that we had the best chances and but Newcastle controlled the ball. So look, Newcastle will get a probably finish in the top four this season. Yeah. So a point at home to them um, on the back of a very uh, energy sapping uh, display against United on um, on Wednesday is is a good point. So two points um, from two very difficult fixes. I think we've we've got to take that really. Yeah, I didn't actually watch the game because uh, I was at a three-year-old's birthday party up until about kickoff, um, which was probably more eventful. Actually, it was much yeah. more eventful. Uh, Sounds more fun. It, pro- it was quite fun, actually. It wasn't It wasn't too bad. Um, anyway, Ruben, I'm going to put a question to you straight away from mm. um, one of our regular listeners. I say Eze is a vibe. Great name. Um, it's no Rob Biddington, but it's a strong name. Um, anyway, and they say, um, how many effing games could Palace and Newcastle play until a team scores over under six games? What, what you're saying is the over-unders on this. <laughs> well, it, was it three this season with, with no yeah. goals? Yeah. Yeah. It's um, it's just one of those fixtures, isn't it? it I, I miss the days when they used to be full of goals. There was the, was it the 4-3 at St. James's when Wilf came back and there was that 5-1 yeah. under Pardew when like, Balassi was on fire. Yeah, those were the days. But now Newcastle are annoyingly good. Mm. Um, So it's like another team that used to be in the bottom half of the table who are who are now really good and they've just kind of lowered our average expectation by a place almost because they've shot up, which is very frustrating. But yeah, I, I actually didn't see it either. Um, I've watched the highlights and that save that um, the Jack mentioned is the only save that Nick Pope had to make all game, which is not the best sign, even though there were some other kind of half chances. Well, it's what the good keepers do, isn't it? They do nothing mm. all game and then they pull out a save like that. And it was. It but to, to answer the actual question, I think probably, yeah, about five games. And then yeah. I'm sure, you know, Joe Linton would bundle one in somehow or a trippier <laughs> free kick or whatever. That definitely Al- wouldn't come from us, though. Yeah. No. yeah. Um, speaking of, to be honest, I mean, yes, it was a boring game, Jack. And, and, and yes, Newcastle all well. On paper, it's a good point against one of the informed teams this season. And in fact, yeah, both games, really, when you look at them, are well earned points, even though Palace weren't particularly good in either league game. And we're very lucky in the away game against Newcastle. But there's a few people that also noticed that maybe this game was a little indication that Palace's sort of fighting spirit might be back. Mm. And those people include Jedinak's beard. Another good name. 
not actually Jed next. Oh, maybe it is. Who knows? Um, and uh, Russell Levy, who weirdly is then asked a question in the spirit of Jed next beard. So I go to Jed next beard first. Isn't is, isn't or isn't it not? That's a confusing start to a question. Of feeling like that, but go on. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> feeling like uh, this side has got its fight back. Very compact performance against top side. And then Russell Levy says, "Have we discovered the spirit of Jedi in the last two games? Oh, is the spirit of Jedi back?" That's a good question, actually. What do you reckon, Jack? Um, don't know if there's anyone on the pitch that quite demonstrates Jedi's fighting spirit right now, but I, I, I do understand what they're saying. I mean, one thing we probably should say is we had to fight on Saturday because we were playing 12 men because Craig Paulson was crap um, from the first minute. Um, yeah, so that, that was an element oh, We do have a question about the referee. Oh, I'll okay, put that yeah. to you in a minute. We'll come, yeah, we'll come, we'll come yeah. to that in a bit. But um, yeah, there was a bit more fighting spirit. There was a bit more fight. Um, which was heightened when Will Hughes came on. Um, you know, looking at the team selection, he dropped Will Hughes and Michael Elise from the sideline, which did cause a lot of um, conversation in the pub before the game. Um, but, yeah, when Will Hughes came on, that did seem to to kind of get us going again in that kind of fighting spirit. He does like to go around and, and yeah, for want of a better term, kick people. Mm. Did he, I think that's his... That's the exact that was, Well, that was his third booking in six days, which is some going. You know, that's... Pretty he's nice. got a bit of the he's got a bit of the James McCarthy about him, doesn't he? Like, he does, yeah. yeah. I was going to say Johan Kabai, like not not like on the same ability level, but he Johan loved to do leave a, leave a foot in, and he has the blonde hair as well. We, we did coin him the Diet Goodbye when we signed him. Diet Goodbye. That's the that is this week's title sorted. No, we've already used that as a title. I think have we? Diet Goodbye Volume Two. Yeah, Electric Boogaloo. Yeah, yeah. Diet Goodbye. Diet Harder. Uh, yeah, uh, but no, we, we did show some fight. Um, yeah, but it, it needed fight because it was a gritty game. Newcastle, then they're, you know, they're, they're decent, as Ruben says. Like they're, They've got better, much better, but they are nasty. You know, Trippier, I like Trippier as a character, but he's nasty. <laughs> you know, there's, there's a, a side to him. And um, there was a, uh, I think it's pretty fair to say there was a bit of rotational fouling on Wilf at points of that game and led to him eventually going off. Um so yeah, that that fighting spirit was needed. Um, but yeah, that's it, but it's on the back of a very difficult game only three days before. So yeah, it is good to see that fighting spirit because that fighting spirit probably got us over the line. There, there's so many reasons Newcastle are annoying, isn't it? I mean, obviously the whole ownership thing is a big thing. Eddie Howe being manager is another thing as well. A, a need, needlessly far away, horrible away end. Well, yeah, like, crap away end. The gods. Ridic- yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah, lots Phantom of deck. reasons. Phantom deck. <laughs> Jimmy Nail. Jimmy I Nail. Mean, the list... oh, Jimmy Nail is second on that list, isn't he? Yeah. Yeah, he is definitely. The list the list goes on. Um Tony Blair? But, I'm, getting, well, I'm getting political again, sorry. Yeah. Um but if Tony Blair, you're interested in sponsoring FYP, please do. <laughs> Person of note. Person that's what I mean. Person of note. <laughs> um this brings you nicely, Ruben, actually, onto another next question here from the real Gareth Davies. Didn't he play for Palace? He did. Hmm. I wonder if it's the same one. Um who says, what exactly is our style of play? Now, I don't know if that is a positive or a negative angle he's come from, but I would suggest that the Newcastle game shows that actually there is more to this team and maybe more to Vieira's tactical now than maybe we gave him credit for in terms of grinding out results like this. Yeah, probably. I mean, as you said, the, the fighting spirit, just going back to the previous question that came back, feels like obviously the Southampton FA Cup game was very disappointing, but that Spurs game must have put something into them that kind of, you know, it shocks them a little bit. So 
they are grinding out results now, which probably does come from Vieira because he seems like a very good motivator and man manager. Like they all seem to like him, even when we're on a bit, even when we're not going on a particularly good run. Um, the style of play was a lot more evident last season um, because there was a big overhaul with the the, the two centre backs coming in allowed us to completely change the way we played. And obviously Gallagher had three lungs and was like just pressing relentlessly. And now we've had to adapt to that. And it does, I understand the question because it does feel like we are stuck between two styles sometimes because often we'll have not a lot of the ball. So it almost feels like the palace of a couple of years ago where we're kind of, um, we're penned in quite a lot of the time. But then in some games we will press higher and we'll have more of the ball. And it's about, knowing in which games to, to do which. But I think the 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 absence of a very clear identity comes down to the kind of lack of squad, squad depth and not always having the players that he wants to do certain jobs. Because, like, yeah. you know, this season we've seen IU play as a number eight, seen Elise play as a number eight, um, Schlupp's, yeah, Eze as well. And, like, none of them are that comfortable there. Schlupp's played loads of games in midfield. Um, hopefully that is now slightly changing because Hughes is playing a lot more often. If he can stop getting booked, then we might not have to play Schlupp all the time. So, I mean, I think what Vieira wants our style to be is um, high press, fast transitions, not like care too much about having loads of the ball, but like aggressive pressing count and like kind of counter attack when we do get the ball, which is why he's brought in mobile players, like the mobile defenders who can pass, which allow us to play higher up the pitch, which we couldn't do before. And, um, a strikers like Edward rather than Benteke and like those very immobile strikers that we had over the years beforehand. So I can see what he wants us to do, but I just don't think he's quite got the players to do it yet. Yeah, which comes back to a point that comes up on the pod almost every week, which is recruitment, which we will come on to in a bit because it is the middle of January and Palace have actually been linked with a player as well, which is absolute madness. So we'll come on to that um, in a bit. Before we round off part one then, Jack, um, I know you're absolutely chomping at the bit to talk about... Champing at the bit? Chomping at the bit. I can never remember which one it is. Um, champing. It is champing. It's, it's, yeah, it sounds weird. Chomping it sounds better. but um, It does. There you go. Um, about, about the referee, uh, Andy Camru. Yeah, Andy. Hello, Andy. Uh, another great name. Is there a process to object to the allocation of a patently biased referee? Incompetence is bad enough when the errors are all one way. It's unacceptable. <laughs> wow. I don't have anything further to add to that. That says it all, to be honest. He was just he was just crap on Saturday. Um, he booked Gay. I haven't actually seen it back, but he booked Gay in the first minute, and I did feel Gay was quite late on, I think it was maybe Sven Botman or Fabian Schaal, one of their centre-halves. I did feel he was quite late, so I felt the booking could have been warranted. But what's the annoying element that was kind of induced a few moments later is I think Wilf turns Kieran Trippier inside out and he's heading towards goal and Craig Paulson doesn't book him. And it just doesn't make any sense that if he started issuing yellow cards from the first minute, then he should just be continuing to issue them. Um, it's not an issue of game management at that point. Um, and everything... Everything that could go Newcastle's way did go Newcastle's way. Every 50-50 was going their way. It's just everything. And he's also, I think, now that Kevin Friends has retired, he is probably the most arrogant referee in the Premier League. The way he points for goal kicks, the way he points for corners, he just rubs me out the wrong way, Craig Paulson. But on a Palace-related note, I think that's Craig Paulson's first involvement in a Palace game since since he was VAR. Um, almost a year to the day against Liverpool last January when Kevin Friend gave a penalty for Vicente Guaita 
merely existing. So, um, oh, the Jota thing, oh, the Jota thing. Yeah, I think I, I haven't I'd, gone back. I'd, I'd almost wipe that from my memory. Yeah, <laughs> I, I wish I could, but um, I think uh, I haven't gone back and checked it. But I think that's Craig Paulson's first involvement in a Palace match since that. Because I think after that game, Craig Paulson was criticised by the PGMLL, not Kevin Friend. So I wonder whether there was kind of a period of time when he couldn't referee Palace, but he was back with a vengeance on Saturday. Is that Ruben? I mean, I might be making this up. It's it's. It seems to me like all referees and Jack was oh, saying that about oh, crap. <laughs> the way they point. It's like they've all got like shrines to Mike. Oh, Mike Dean's not dead, but like you know, posters of Mike Dean on their wall because like they all they all now over efficiently sort of do that. Yeah, you know, throwing of the card and like pointing to for a goal kick. Is it? Do you think people? There, do you think they're born to do that, or like they pick it up through training? I think there's pr- there's probably an element of like subconscious influence from people like Mike Dean yeah. and like. Um, I don't know, like in the World Cup, you remember La Hoz in that Argentina and Netherlands yeah. game, like these these referees who kind of want to be, um, they want to play a bigger role than they should. Like the best referees, you don't notice. Yeah. Um, I I I always hate, like, feel really guilty when I am inclined to slag off referees, and like I can't really, I don't know which ones are good and which ones are bad. I think, as Jack says, probably safe to assume there none of them are that great. But like, I, I can never remember who's done us a favor and who stitched us up yeah. um and i also didn't watch the full 90 so i can't really say but like were there any other like clear incidents or was it just lots of tiny just kind of 50 so? kind of like yeah lots of the same thing mm. lots of the same not giving palace the benefit of the doubt um but it was more the, the refusing to issue kieran trippier a yellow card i think by the time trippier did get a yellow card he could have been booked two or three times before and this. like if Trippier's on a yellow for most yeah. of the game, like Gay was, exactly. then it cre- then it creates a whole different threat, doesn't yeah. it? Because he, d- as good as Kieran Trippier is, he's not that quick. So no. that could that could have been a, a, a change the game deal. possibly. Yeah, yeah Gay, you get, Gay does love those. Very occasionally he'll arrive really late when he and he'll just. Like, I remember yeah. seeing him do it a few times in the flesh, and normally he times his tackles brilliantly and he's like positionally really sound. But very occasionally he'll just fly in. Yeah, but this one um, this when one he gets was, it wrong, he, he gets it like properly wrong. Yeah, yeah, well he was on a he was on a run. He was trying to like bring the ball forward. It was quite expansive play, and uh, basically there was no option for him, so he just kept on going and then overran the ball and then found a Newcastle defender before he found a pass, which wasn't the uh, To be fair, so that was like, what, the way. third minute, fourth minute? Or yeah, something? it felt very early. It wasn't the first minute. I'm wrong on that. But it was inside the first five minutes, for, for, for sure. The only thing Craig Pawson did do us a favour is actually Gay, after about 25, already on that yellow, does body check someone, can't remember who it was, um, on the run. I didn't think there was much Gay could have done, but you've seen bookings be given for it. So, you know, Craig Pawson could well have sent him off at that point, which would have been a very unjust... Red card, but um the, the way you've described that incident um for Gay's yellow is kind of emblematic of our identity of crisis. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? On the pitch where it's like the defenders are trying to bring the ball out and they can't find yeah. an option, so then there they was, end up in trouble. One. There yeah. wasn't one. Yeah. It, it was a uh, yeah yeah. You're right. It probably says more about our play than sorry, Craig Pawson. All is forgiven. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> Um, let's take a break there because when we come back, we've got loads of questions from our listeners. Uh, but at least we've got the ref, the ref chat nipped early in the bud. Thank, thanks for getting out of the way early. You're welcome, yeah. mate. I could see, I could see you buzzing. Um, let's take a quick break, and when we come back, uh, yeah, questions. My brother-in-law died suddenly. 
and now my sister and her kids have to sell their home. That's why I told my husband we could not put off getting life insurance any longer. An agent offered us a 10-year, $500,000 policy for nearly $50 a month. Then we called SelectQuote. SelectQuote found us identical coverage for only $19 a month, a savings of $369 a year. Whether you need a $500,000 policy or a $5 million policy, SelectQuote could save you more than 50% on term life insurance. For your free quote, go to SelectQuote.com. SelectQuote.com. That's SelectQuote.com. SelectQuote. We shop. You save. Full details on example policies at SelectQuote.com slash commercials. Welcome back to the Fluffy Plan Podcast. Wee. Pod 459. It's time for questions from our listeners. Someone we didn't touch on in the first half, who's had a fantastic couple of games, is Chris Richards. And then we've got lots of questions about uh, Chris, which we'll put to you in a minute. But Jack, actually, we've got a little bit of a... Um, get a bit of a... What's the word I'm looking for? A little surprise for our listeners, haven't we, in terms of a bit of extra oh, Chris we, Richards content. We're going to play a little bit now, are we? We might as well. I mean, it feels well, I like a good time as any. We, we treated the patrons on... Uh, on Treated. <laughs> skip, 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 <laughs> skip. Uh, oh, yeah, let, let's put a little uh, little bit in there, but um, not as much as the patrons got. Not no, a little bit. Do you want to introduce, introduce this? Yeah, so I um, I got talking to uh, some guys from a American soccer podcast called Scuffed, um, and they are... Absolutely delighted that Chris Richards has got his chance. So we got talking about about him, and then they invited me to to come onto their 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 podcast and and talk about him the the day after the United game. So after that excellent performance against United, um, but yeah, really interesting podcast. They cover all sorts of things um, about US soccer. Um, uh, more recently, had lots of conversations about former Palace legend Greg Berhalter and the uh, the weird fallout from the World mm. Cup that he's experiencing. So, yeah, any, um, well, for anyone, if you're interested, go and listen, but particularly for our American fans um, or American listeners, um, go and check them out. We'll put a link below in the show notes as yeah, well. Sure. Uh, technically, Jack, both teams were united that you played against, but it's, it's fine. Um, so... <laughs> so, United and Manchester. So. There we go. Uh, anyway, this is, uh, this is Jack talking about Chris Richards on the Scuff Pod. All right, looks like... Um... Jack is almost ready to go. So any closing thoughts? Black man, Hoover, Alabama. Yes. Starting in the Premier League. Yes. I messaged Ken Richards last night and said, hey, uh, thrilling to see, thrilled to see see uh, how Chris played. What a big step forward for him. And he go, he writes back, yes, it was. <laughs> yes, <laughs> yeah, it Ken. was. <laughs> yeah, Ken. I yeah. love it. I love it, man. Uh, you know, the the Richards family has been a, a a big friend of everybody on the internet. It seems that uh, uh, yeah. you know that has been as Chris, that has been in Chris's corner. Uh, Bells, you spend time with the family. Yeah, like love on location. Family. Yes. Um. So yeah, man. This just extremely happy. I I mean that this thing like made my day yesterday. Made oh, I was day. having a terrible day yesterday until this happened. So. <laughs> Like man, I was I was buzzing. All right, we got Jack Pierce here from the Five Year Plan podcast. That's a Crystal Palace uh, fan pod with its own Patreon and the, the whole the whole nine yards. Jack is a South London expat living in the Brighton area. So you were in the stadium. I was. Night. Yeah, I'm a season ticket holder. Yeah. So 
yeah, good 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 night because um, the pressure had been building a little bit. We haven't been particularly great since the uh, the World Cup break. So yeah, to stop the rot uh, was was really pleasing with uh, with a point against you know one of the one of the bigger and, and better sides in in the Premier League. Um, it's always great to take a point against them, but yeah, really earned it last night. And Chris was uh, right at the forefront of that. The the given the uncertainty about him going into yesterday's game, yeah. Um, what was like the mo? Was there a moment in the game where you're like, okay, yeah, he might be good. I, I think yeah, there were t- two two performances last night stood out for Palace fans because of their opportunity that Vieira had given them. One was Will Hughes, who's the the midfielder um, who came in for. But for Palace, and he settled. He's he's old. I think he's twenty six, twenty seven. He came in and settled straight away. And I think in comparison, Chris Richards looked a little bit more nervous um, for the first ten minutes. But mm-hmm. and I, I think you'll have seen this on on the coverage in the states. Um, the tracking back and chasing of Anthony, who you know, let's not forget, is a hundred million pound winger. Um, <laughs> tracking him back, and I think you know, I've seen American media clip it up as well overnight to see him tra- track him back and then make the challenge to go out for the corner. That's the first time that the four corners of Selhurst Park have cheered Chris Richards. And I think that made him grow. And then from that moment on, I think one way would pass in the second half was really the only thing that anyone watching that game could lay any criticism at his door with. So um, that moment, uh, I think, was the one that kind of showed us that, okay, this, this guy's got something about him. And um, as I said, that, that fight and that desire is all we really ask for. You know, we appreciate we're not going to beat every team that comes to Selhurst and we're not going to win every game. But if you fight and you you harry players like like he did, then then yeah, he's gonna he's gonna find a lot of fans in South London. Awesome. Anthony, not an incredibly likable player either. Horrible. Horrible. Yeah. I mean, one of the highlights last night, I don't know if this came across in the coverage, was him and Bruno Fernandez had words with one another, which yeah. was um Man, I thought they were funny. about to fight. Uh, yeah, I was I hoping they too. were. I was hoping they were, but um, yeah, yeah, he's not particularly good. I mean, if he's a hundred million pounds, then I think the three of us on this call are probably worth thirty million. So, yeah, <laughs> no disagreement from me. <laughs> uh, there we go. Great guys there, Jack, aren't they? They really seem nice. like right, real characters, but very lovely guys. Yeah, very, very passionate about Chris Richards. Well, I think we all are at the moment. We are, well, he's, we all are had, now. It's been a long. Time, it's been a long time to wait for him to play, um, but. He's coming, and not an easy time to come in, you know, mid-season, uh, deputising for Anderson, who's one of our best players. Yeah. But he's been absolutely fantastic in the last couple of games. So here's some questions from our listeners. Um, Toby Kinder, one hey, of Toby. our regulars. If oh, I friend, just... of, friend, friend of our family, actually. Really? Yeah, oh. my dad knows him, yeah. Oh. Shout out Toby, my guy. Ruben oh. Pinder, Toby Kinder. <laughs> there we go. Yeah, Had to be. This is this is why I love the Palace family. Everyone knows everyone knows someone who knows someone. It's just it's uh, it's a small degrees of separation. Exactly, absolutely. Uh, Toby says, if I describe Chris Richards as a Rolls Royce of defender, this is another one for Adam Harry. There, yeah, um, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, what population of your youthful listenership, very kind, would understand what that metaphor means? Jack, this is one for you. It's quite a well-known phrase, isn't it? For you know, not everybody has had the pleasure of driving or being in a Rolls Royce, but everybody knows, in terms of a footballing uh, vernacular, what that what that refers to. Um, yeah, I think everyone would get it. And he, I think, do you Mark agree? Ga- no, I think Mark Gay is probably more of a Rolls Royce for me. I'd say of the three, Anderson's the most Rolls Roycey. Oh, this is a yeah. great discussion. Yeah, because, yeah, I agree. So, firstly, as as you mentioned, Jim, this is one for Adam Hurry on yeah. on his podcast. They have dis- discussed this, and I agree that it has to be a centre back. So we've yeah. got that right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, definitely. They 
height is a big part of it. Comfort on the ball. Yeah. Is he good enough on the ball, Richards, to be classed as a Rolls Royce? Because Anderson and Gay probably are. Yeah. Do we know enough? Think... Have we seen him enough yet on the no, ball? No, no. Early indications oh. suggest potentially. Maybe he's a, he's a Bentley. Always oh, a Bentley. Yeah. Ooh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> if he's a if he's a Bentley, um, if he's a Bentley and Anderson's a Ro- no, and Anderson's a Rolls Royce, then what does that make Mark Gahey? Let's let's let, let the listeners finish that one off if they want to. <laughs> what other? What are, I mean, yeah. this is where my knowledge of like nice cars falls apart. What I drive a nice Hyundai. I don't know. I, I drive a Suzuki. So I've yeah. never had a driving lesson. So well, let's move on. <laughs> let's move on. I don't think we're the guys. I don't think we're the ones to do this. Okay. All right. Well, that's one for the listeners. I'm sure we'll get some tweets. Um, about but no, that. I think I think it's fair to say that yeah, Chris Richards probably got in his locker to be quite a classy defender. Look, I, th- I think. He wouldn't have gone to Bayern Munich if they didn't think he was going to be able to play their style of football. Yeah. And their style of football is all through progression through the pitch. So um, he's clearly got it in him. I mean, passing-wise, he hasn't done anything too expansive in his two games with Palace so far, but um, he looks quite tidy on the ball. He looks yeah. quite confident on the ball. The passing can come with coaching, can't it? Yeah, like, exactly, yeah. yeah. And he's definitely would... got the pace. He's definitely got the pace. Yeah. He's rapid. And, and he's made quite a few sort of well-timed blocks, which I guess is something that's maybe slightly harder to coach. So that, that probably is more of a sort of uh, an ability thing. Um, the question, though, Ruben, once Anderson comes back, and I'm not quite sure if we know when that is, but hopefully not too far away, um, is one of selection after that. So Mark has said, uh, hi, Mark. Mark. Um, do, how do you keep Richards in when Anderson is fit? Can we use three at the back with five midfielders or do you go five using wing wingers, five in the back using wingers? Okay. And then Josh Rufus. Hey, Josh. I said, when Anderson comes back in, can we incorporate Richards in a back four? As Toby Kinder said, oh, this is great. Everyone's just like yeah. interlinking. This is brilliant. This is a real team performance from our listeners this week. Um, <laughs> the man is a Rolls Royce of a, of a player. I am 48, so I get the lingo and cannot be trusted. Good. We need hang more on. people to we need more people to mention how old they are when they get question, 10 questions. Hang on, hang on. I, I never even thought that the use of sorry, that we are gonna become like a sub of football cliches here for a second. Not I never, that. I never thought using the phrase he's a Rolls Royce of a player was age specific. I I just didn't get that. So that's interesting. I think everyone of um the younger generation still understands it because so many pundits use it, even yeah, if we fair. don't say it. Do you know what I mean? Fair. Mm. I'm including yeah. myself in that younger generation yeah, still. Too right. Yeah, you represent <laughs> I'm me. Not, I'm on no. the cusp, I think. Me neither. Um, to answer the question, though, how yeah. do we incorporate him? Play him at right back. Mm. I, I love Joel Ward. I love Nathaniel Klein mm-hmm. dearly, both of them, but neither of them are very good anymore. And Joel Ward gets burnt so often by opposition wingers. And while Anderson might not provide that much in terms of like, uh, sorry, while Richards might not provide that much in terms of overlaps on the right, because naturally he's a centre-back, his pace in defence will be useful in 1v1s. Um, and it's it's definitely try, time to try him out. And if he's got Anderson next to him, um, he'll probably develop a bit more. So that that's what I would do. I don't think we they would work as a back three in theory. Um, you could probably have Anderson in the middle kind of distributing with Gay and Richards either side. And but they have we done don't that. Have... Did they, was it away at Liverpool they did that? Yeah, but that was a bit of a backs, backs against the wall type. Right. Yeah, that was like a 6-3-1 kind of vibe, wasn't it? Um, yeah, yeah. But the... Uh, and I think Richards came on wide left against Man City in that yeah. really bizarre game where we went 2-0 up. Um, but yeah, I don't think we have the wing backs to play 3-4-3 or 3-5-2. I agree. Um, 
because you'd end up having Klein and Mitchell there who are, you know, not the slowest, but also they are defensively inclined. Um, no pun intended. So, yeah, back four, Richards at right back. Um, just give him a go. I see no harm in doing that. Yeah, but I think it's a question for the summer recruitment. If they want to look at a three at the back, they will need to do that with ideas of of wing backs um, coming in because yeah, Ruben. Said like, do you remember when De Boer tried it? Like obviously, yeah. obviously uh-huh. we all remember that Van Aanholt was yeah. Oh, Van Aanholt was was like fits the profile for a left wing yeah. back, yeah. but we didn't have anyone on the right in pre season. He tried Townsend, and then yeah. when the season yeah. started, he played Ward, and it was like well, neither of them yeah. can do that role. So unless we have wing backs, don't don't play a back three. Agreed. Yeah, I thought. I, I mean, there, I saw, there, oh, there, well, no, I was just going to say there've been rumours of because Spurs are supposedly looking at uh, Pablo Porro from Sporting Lisbon that that might mean that Jed Spence is available on loan for someone. And as ever, Palace fans have <laughs> naturally assumed that will be to Palace. If Jed Spence was available and he came in, then that guy could play right wing back, and then you know he could bomb on in theory, while Mitchell doesn't bomb on as much. Um. So if that was a possibility in the short term, then that could work. But, yeah, no, I think the, the short-term solution is Richards goes to right back because love Wardy as I do. He, you know, got burnt time and time again in the first half. Did put in some good tackles, but got burnt time and time again in the first half. And then when Alisson Maximan came on in the second half, he got substituted. So hey, We've, all, we've also got some really tough games coming up. Yeah. yeah. Against teams with good wingers, quick wingers. Well, Wardy so, put in yeah. a lot of really good recovery tackles at the weekend. But the problem is if you're constantly putting in recovery tackles, at some point you won't. And that does mean you're getting overrun uh, as yeah. much as we all love. And it kind of backs up that poss- possibly fake quote from Paolo Maldini or whatever it is about, if I have to make a tackle, yeah. I've already made a mistake. Like, you know, no one's expecting our defenders to be perfect. But if you're always doing that, then yeah, it's probably, there's probably a reason why. And yeah. um, Jack, I did see a suggestion online, someone saying, what about Richards at centre-back and Anderson into... DMC alongside no. Decore. No, I, no, my first reaction was probably no. But well, actually, <laughs> I think Chris Richards has probably got more experience of playing in central midfield because he did for Hoffenheim last season. So, if you're going to do that, it would probably be Richards that went into kind of that deep line position. Next there, to there's this, there's this weird like um, temptation for loads of football fans to suggest that if a defender is good on the ball, they can play in midfield, which yeah, isn't yeah. always true because yeah. you're in a completely different part of the pitch. You've got st- stuff going on in front of you and behind you. Mm-hmm. Like Anderson is mobile for a defender, but I think if you pushed him into midfield, he'd quick, it would quickly become obvious why he doesn't play there. Yeah. yeah and also, oh, yeah. I think you play, play, you play your best players in there, but it's like playing Wilf up front as a number nine. It's like, you, you know, mm. you'll get more from him out wide when he's running at defenders than back to goal. So it's play your best players in your best positions. And then deal with the rest of them, I guess, in the transfer market. But, um, but broad, broad point about Chris Richards, fantastic first two starts in the league for Palace. Like, I don't think either performance could have gone much better for him, to be honest. And I'm really pleased with him because it's been a tough start for him. He, he came in, you know, towards the end of preseason. He got injured after the City game, I think, or possibly the Oxford game and had to wait. Then there was the break with the World Cup. Um, and I think Palace fans were starting to, mainly because he, of the James Hopkins sub at Stamford Bridge when he came on for, for Joa rather than Chris Richards, I think Palace fans were very harshly starting to write him off. Um, so to see him come back and prove his quality so quickly um, is really reassuring. And um, and from going one way about the recruitment of Chris Richards saying it was a terrible waste of money, we're now saying what a good 8 to £12 million pounds that looks. <laughs> I was so relieved to see him 
start these games yeah. after the Tompkins disaster against Fulham. Because, like, yeah. again, with James Tompkins, like, was brilliant for us, like, what, five years ago? Um, yeah. Same thing with Ward, isn't it? It's like, yeah, it's unfortunate that we haven't been able to kind of bring in even more defenders because that transition from the kind of Dan Cahill Tompkins era to the Gay Anderson era, we couldn't do it all at once. Yeah. So that that's kind of the issue with our squad is that as soon as one of those cogs isn't there, yeah. then it starts to fall apart a little bit. And it is an indication that, you know, Palace, we've said this before, deserve praise for their recruitment over the last couple of years because it can it can be done well and it is being done well. You just need to keep doing it and do more of it. You cannot sort of rest on your laurels. You know, all the clubs that are doing well in the Premier League have, have shown that. Speaking of, Palace have been linked with a player, a 20-year-old central midfielder this week from Stuttgart. Mm. His name is... Nairu Amada. I hope I've got that right. I said it with confidence, so I think that is the way to do it. Um, do either of you guys know much about this guy? Anyone fancy um, taking the reins? No, and anyone who <laughs> pretends they do is lying. But... I watch Stuttgart on a regular basis. <laughs> so you've seen all seven of his Bundesliga appearances then? Yeah, he hasn't did he get, much. Did he get sent off last night? Well, I was going to mention I thought got an assist. Like, he got two assists and got sent off for two yellow cards, both apparently for dissent, which if that isn't a guy trying to leave a club, I don't know what is. <laughs> He's proving his quality by setting up two goals for his suitors, but then saying to his current employer, I want out of here. I'm not playing the next game. So, yeah, I like his style already. Bringing some very... much needed fight to the Palace midfield. Well, sounds very Palace, doesn't it? You know, Two, two assists is promising, though. Yeah, that is good. Um, yeah, no, I mean, look, none of us are scouts. None of us really watch the Bundesliga that much. Um uh, a lot of I went on his Wikipedia and he seems to have well no I watched a YouTube compilation as you know is the only option and a lot of the clips seem to come from Stuttgart Zwei games in whatever uh, league the Bundesliga uh. 2 or whatever that they play in um, in front of not a big crowd but having said that he, he seems like the player with the right ingredients um, he kind of he seems quite good at dribbling out of pressure and you know, forward thinking always wants to move the ball forward. So like those instincts seem, seem right. He's young. I mean, if that's all we've got to go off, then any midfielder with legs and aggression and like an eye for a pass is, is a yes from me at the moment. Yeah, completely agree. I mean, we have a young team chat, don't we as well? So 20 is very young. Um, but actually we are seeing, you know, I think, I think Alisa is only 20 as well. And um, actually maybe, maybe Palace is the environment for a young up and coming player of the age of 20 to, to maybe thrive in? Well, it's where you are going to pick up the value in the market in that you could probably buy quite low with the idea of then their value increasing as, as they go. Um, Which is something we haven't done very much. Yeah, I think like, it's, the, it's the new model, isn't it? So yeah. it'll be another one in that in that regard, same as Elise, same as Gay. You know, buy young, sell high, or sorry, buy cheaper, sell higher, you know, when as and when they do eventually go. I mean, I think as Ruben says, like, this guy sounds like he would be the player that isn't playing in Decore's position, but also isn't playing in the position that we think Ebbs should be playing in as well. So he'd be the third of, of those yeah. three. So he plays the kind of right hand, uh, well, I don't know, right or left side, but he played that kind of middle position where the eight, uh, I guess, the eight, the, the eight yeah. between a six and a ten. Yeah, yeah, I go. guess the one that Schlapp's currently playing yeah. at the moment. So... Uh, I don't know how much football he's played. I don't know whether it, it means that he'd be, you know, ready to go in the Premier League. But the sources the other night were indicating it sounded like it was relatively close to being done. But then he starts for Stuttgart last night. And then other journalists start to come out and say Stuttgart denying there's any talk. So 
it's the type of signing you think would be a good signing for Palace on the face of it, but maybe it's not as close to being done. A lot of that, a lot be. of that will be agents putting bits and bobs out, trying to boost the price or whatever. So there's lots of stuff at play with that kind of thing. Can I um can can I quote Alex Alpha and Alex Barker? You're an yes. expert, Jim, on him. Yep. Yep. He said he's someone who feels more attack orientated when I've seen him with good combinations, dribbling and working the final third. I think some class him as a box to box, but I think Vieira will need to up his defensive output. He does have the energy for it though. So, you know, room for improvement, but the possible, the ingredients are there and just need to be molded. If, if, if you take that, that quote out of context, that could be Gallagher. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. There's like an element of that there, like energy attack minded, but as long as he works hard and kind of decoray can, Put him back when he needs to, then. Yeah. Good. And that is, I think, every episode this season, we've mentioned Gallagher at least once. I think yeah, that's right. Enough. I think it's only right. Him, one of the, I think we've mentioned groups. him more this season than we did last season. <laughs> yeah, we have. <laughs> Someone put him in one of the groups. Gallagher signed for Rangers. I was like, what? And there's like a blurry photo, blonde guy holding a shirt. Oh, it was, it was Todd Cantwell. Thank God for <laughs> yeah. that. Um, yeah, if you well, buy Conor Gallagher off Wish or somewhere. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Gallagher Light. There is another transfer link this morning. <laughs> Um, oh, no. link by John Percy from the Telegraph Palace are considering which is a bizarre term I always think but considering bidding for Antoine Semenyo from Bristol City um, which You've been uh, linked with him before I think been linked with him before um, and I think he's from South London so um, that could be a good bit of business I think he's out of contract this summer yeah, I saw a Bristol City fan tweet a compilation of him earlier with some very sad music about, yeah. like, oh, it's time to say goodbye kind of thing. Wasn't so, it Sam Smith? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it was, yeah. So is that, I mean, if, if you're doing a compilation for a player exiting, it's Sam Smith music. If, if you're buying a player, what's what music are you going for, for a welcome to? You know, one of those, like... You are chucking some absolute fire questions at us today. Uh, it's a fair question. Someone's making this from 2011. It's yeah, got to be yeah. some like horrible dance music with yeah. um, with bad editing where the where the kind of beats and the cuts don't line up. Yeah, and yeah. where it's, um, peak, it's peaking a lot. It's like it's it's, it's it sounds uh, pendulum, probably, yeah. pendulum, 2007, yeah. 2008. Okay, yeah, pitch yeah. shifted to avoid copyright strikes. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, 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 <laughs> That's yeah. why they do that. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Beautiful yeah. stuff. Um, we do have a question from Gary Tutton. Uh, hi, Gary. Who says, which hey, position do we need to prioritise if signing just one player this window? But I don't even know if that's fair to ask you guys because hopefully central it is more than one player. But I guess midfield is up there, isn't it? Central midfield is, if you had to pick one, it would be central midfield because I, yeah. think, I, I mean, as well as Hughes has done, clearly there's an issue with, with him and Vieira and he can't play every game. Not that there's many weeks now where we are playing two games in, in a week, but um, he doesn't quite fancy Hughes. So I think... I, I thought Schlapp was poor again on on Saturday, so I do I do think we do need to look at that part of the the pitch, and that would be that would be top of my wish list. Yeah, centre mid. Yeah, it has to it has to be central midfield. I mean, I've there's I'd like lots of more lots more depth in in other areas as well, but the first priority's got to be centre mid, a number eight. Well, let's see what happens. Uh, we will update listeners, of course, as and when anything happens. Then when Palace move from the considering phase to the buying phase um thank you very much for your questions after the break we're going to pick our winners and losers hey it's jesse kelly we are for the most part a reactionary society if your neighbor has a break-in you think about getting an alarm if your buddy gets laid off you say i better buckle down at work 
If banks start closing, you may want to ask yourself if you should keep most or all of your money in a bank. It may be time for a portfolio protection plan. It may be time to have a little personal gold reserve. Go to www.oxfordgoldgroup.com to learn more. Welcome back to the Final Plan Podcast. Whee. It's time for winners and losers. This is our patron-only section. So if you're listening on the patron feed, you're going to hear the winners and losers as per. If you're listening on the public feed, you're going to hear a clip from the post-match podcast with Rob and Selzy from Saturday evening. Uh, but if you want to hear our winners and losers and get post-match pods every single game, do sign up at patreon.com slash FYP podcast. Link is in the show notes below this episode. Uh, right, let's make the split now. <laughs> I mean, Newcastle really did push for for a, a winner, kind of in the later stages of the match, and we we made substitutions again that you kind of question a little bit, maybe. Um, but Mateta had the one good chance of ours, and and Nick Pope also forced it, was forced into a really good save. So it, you know, all square in the end. Look, sells gloves doing the job again, yet again, aren't they? I mean, actually, Newcastle, yeah, they huffed and puffed and actually created a lot of half chances and a, a lot of opportunities that maybe the, the shot was scuffed or slightly hurried. I was talking to one of my colleagues at The Athletic as he, just by the press box there as he came out, and apparently they've missed the second most number of big chances in the Premier League this season. So I think you can see that from, from their performance. I and mean, they were the dominant team, but I thought there was a, a, a quite a, a, an admirable spirit and commitment and... Uh, Industriousness to to Palace's performance. It was a, a fantastic point to have kept clean t- three clean sheets against this mob this season is very very impressive indeed. Uh, and the biggest chance of the game, as you say, was was a, was Mateta's. And uh, he at the time I was like quite critical. I wanted. I mean, I, I, I found it hard to. I'm sort of at this stage where Palace forwards are not putting the ball into the into the corners of the net. They're hitting the ball central too often. But actually, when I saw the, the replay of it, I mean, it arrives at him pretty quickly, a bit awkwardly. He gets a really good contact on it. And the ball is virtually behind Nick Pope uh, as he's palming it up and away. It was a fantastic, fantastic save. Um, and, a, and a very, very good point. And, yeah, and it just keeps things bubbling along during this horrible run. Keeps us seven points clear of the bottom three. Um, and... In this sort of, <laughs> sort of, I don't, our own position that we've made twelfth now, where we, we can't really catch eleventh, and we we're still too far away from Forest with their goal difference, so three points clear of them but below us. So, yeah, long may that continue. If we can, if we can emerge from this run in a similar sort of position, I'll be very happy. It felt, it, it feels, kind of good to get two points out of the last two games. Uh, to me, those, those were not expected points. No. You know, XP um, <laughs> for your XGs. Um, but, it, yeah, just... It, the, the way that we set up today, it felt like we were almost set up to match them rather than to kind of... Almost to not... I think going into it at the start of the match, if you'd have said, we're playing for a nil-nil draw, I, I'd have actually been OK with it. And in the grand scheme of things, that's, that's kind of what we did. Um... It does feel like every game we keep playing, that lack of goals and that lack of threat from our forwards is 
kind of making the need for a different attacking option a greater one, isn't it? Yeah, like I thought the whole before. I don't know whether he went out there to get a nil-nil. I think he just tried to. I think I think Wednesday night will have taken its toll yeah. against United, and and Newcastle had a free midweek, so I think he had to change things up. I imagine that's that is the justification for the changes. I felt so sorry for Joel Ward today because mm. I mean, brilliant for him. He stuck at it admirably. There was one chance in the second half where he got he got completely done by Willock, I think it was, on the outside, but he got himself back and he blocked the cross for a corner and, and it's it, I mean he just sort of personified Palace's commitment um, limited ability possibly in terms of what we were trying to achieve or what we could achieve because I just think the, the squad is just so stretched at the moment and the attacking options are so clearly an issue. It's um, got worse because well, well, yeah, and I don't know whether that was cramp. I mean, it looked initially it was cramp, but you worry about the hamstring issue um, when he when he signalled to come off immediately afterwards. Although I have to say, and I know this is probably controversial and uh, and unfair maybe, but I, I thought we actually posed more of a threat when he went off. Um, and that that wasn't. I mean, I, I guess that was the unleashing of. Alise and wonderful foot to see as getting his, his debut as well. But I just thought there was a, there was more of a. Maybe it was because Newcastle were pushing and they thought that they were, that the game for about five minutes was a bit more open. But, but yeah, I mean, it's he's at least now. If you're going to lose Wolf to a hamstring twinge, let's say, and let's assume it's that. You got two weeks off now, so before United away. So I mean, that's that's actually a, a decent time just to, for him to rest up and uh, and hopefully be fit and ready to go again. With his knee strapped up, I kind of felt like he was soldiering on anyway, yeah, yeah. and and so it probably is a good time to yeah. just. There's is it interna- There's no international duty. Not until this, March. No. no. Okay. So that's it's not that. <laughs> Wolf has a tendency to get injured <laughs> just before international call-ups, and I thought, okay, but no, okay, that's fair. Yeah, FA Cup. Good thing we're not in that competition. Um, <laughs> it's all planned. It is all planned, but it, it means that I think that the, the next game will be, you know, hopefully we'll have a signing, maybe. <laughs> Who knows? We'll see what happens with that. But, yeah, in terms of the matchup, I, what I, I didn't really think it was going to go, it was about going in at nil, to, for a nil-nil, but it, it ended up kind of being like that because it was... It was like a. It was like one of those long boxing matches that ends up in a draw, where you end up thinking, well, no, no one really laid a punch in the scheme of things. Palace got their decent punch in with with the Mateta chance, but I don't think Guaita was really forced into a save. They had, I'm sure, in XG terms, because Newcastle had a, had quite a few crosses into the box, yeah. which resulted in soft headers and things like that. I'm sure that it's going to look like Newcastle should have won that, but. That's the fallacy of XG, really, isn't it? It doesn't always mean that it's a good chance. I think they got into very good positions. I don't think we can kid ourselves. Newcastle were the dominant team. They had 60% of the ball in the first half. And they they were getting into areas where they were crossing. I mean, the number of corners we conceded. Kieran Trippier, incidentally, what a player he is. I mean, utterly... For Wilf to be up up against him, that makes his life a lot harder tonight. Um, Trippier was superb. Uh, Newcastle looked very, very good until that final pass or final shot. Um, but, you know, you'd expect them to with the amount of money they've spent on the squad. And and I think that's 15 games unbeaten now, which I think is the most they've ever got in the Premier League. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
And so, that's despite having Eddie Howe as manager. Well, yeah. I think he's, look, <laughs> I know, I know. I'm just I think kidding, he's, I'm just he has kidding. done a really good job. But I tell yes. you what, that was, that looked like an Eddie Howe team oh, with money thrown at it. Totally. They were cynical, they were big, strong, awkward. Yeah. It was like Bournemouth, but with an extra 300 million pounds. <laughs> Let's wrap up the uh, winners and losers there. Thank you very much uh, to you two for those moments and to our patrons. Hope you enjoyed that. Uh, if you didn't, but you intrigued to know what our moments are, turn up at patreon.com slash FYP podcast. After the break, no game to preview. Um, so we're going to grade the season. It's time to get your checking account to zero with free checking from PenFed. That's zero ATM fees, zero balance requirements, and zero time spent waiting for your paycheck to direct deposit because you can receive it up to two days early. Open your account with just $25 and see how big zero can be. Apply online today at PenFed.org slash free checking. Early direct deposit eligibility may vary between pay periods and timing of payers' funding. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed, insured by NCUA. Welcome back to the Fluffy Plan Podcast. Wee. Wee. Pod four five nine. Normally we review the next game here. The next game is Man United away on the fourth of February, which feels like months away. Uh, so instead, as we are twenty games in, it is twenty games, isn't it? Twenty games in. Yeah. One game over halfway through the season. Jack, we're going to grade. Well, we're going to sort of yeah, sort of grade the season. We've asked our listeners three questions on Twitter. Who is player of the season so far? Grade the season for us, and where will Palace finish? I'm going to ask you both those questions as well. Before I do that, a little flick through some of the answers. I don't know if you guys have seen some of people's answers to this. Mm. Um, a couple of, basically, a handful of names crop up in terms of player of the season so far, which is basically Decore, Gahey, and a couple of shouts for Anderson. But mostly it looks like Decore and Gahey. I think, I think Decore gets it by a head. Right. Have you actually gone through and... I think Short so. Just I haven't I haven't done any maths or anything, but okay. um, I think Decore an eye, more, te- eye test. Yeah, it was more prominent than but uh, but Gay uh, a close second. In terms of grading, I didn't actually stipulate a what. So some people have graded out of ten. Some have graded A, B, C, um, and most have pretty much gone for sort of five, six, seven, uh, and sort of gradings of about C. I've seen some Ds, not anything higher than a C. A couple of I've seen a B. Um, so that's fair, I would say fairly sort of middle middling for that. And then in terms of position, final position, most people seem to be around the 11th, 12th, 12th comes up a lot, 13th, 14th, in a couple of 16s, not seen any, I've seen a 17, not seen anyone go as low as 18, I don't think. And I can't see anybody that's gone as high as 10, I don't think. So Jack, how did those scores line up to what you would grade, uh, answer those questions? Um... I mean, I would probably give it, give it to Anderson right now for that first half of the season. I thought Anderson was was our best player up to Christmas or up to the World Cup. Um, but Decore has been very, very impressive in his first season, so I can see why um, fans would think he would be player of the season. Yeah, in terms of grade, before the World Cup, I contributed to 4-4-2's kind of midway season or mid-season grades, and I gave us a B-minus. 
for the season so far. Um, but maybe the results up to United um, or before United, I probably would maybe have dropped that down to a C. Um, but yeah, somewhere between a B minus and a C plus, I think is probably a fair reflection. Um, and then I think we're going to finish 12 or 13. I think that's, I probably wouldn't disagree with much of that. Uh, Ruben, what would your answers to uh, those I, questions be? I would agree with Jack on the ratings. I would, I'd just go with a C. It's a pass, isn't it? It's not particularly brilliant. It's not a failure. Um, <clears throat> pardon. Uh, player of the season so far would go to Corey because he's had so much work to do. Yeah. And, you know, I like without him, I don't know what would what would happen, where we'd be. Yeah, um, I agree. I agree about that because I think, uh, I mean, Richards has shown, obviously, only very recently that we do have backup in that area. Decore's job is so pivotal and mm. he's performing it well. I think for me that maybe tips yeah, over into... with not that much help a lot of the time. So um, Decore purely out of kind of necessity and scarcity of players that good in that position. Yeah. Um, and in terms of where we're going to finish, I am not very optimistic. I'm very sorry to say. I'm I'm looking at the games that we've played, and we, so we don't have any big scalps yet. Like we normally, yeah, we normally lose to I don't know a team that goes down, and it's like a really weird result. And then we'll like beat Chelsea or beat City or beat Arsenal, whatever. Don't have any of those big scalps yet. And our next few games are Man United, who are good again. Um, we just got to draw against them, obviously, but still. Uh, Brighton, terrified of that. Uh, Brentford, <laughs> away, could get a result, but you never know. Liverpool, Villa, who are good again. City, Arsenal, who are going to win the league. And then Leicester leads Southampton, Everton, where we might be able to salvage some more points. But the next sort of seven games-ish are terrifying me. So I'm going to go with a slightly pessimistic 16th. I mean, not unfair given that run of run of games. You would expect Palace teams of the past to pick up a one, at least one, maybe scalp in there. And I guess you could, you could. Argue, I mean, we got the draw at Liverpool early in the season when Liverpool were good. Um, obviously, now that probably wouldn't be seen as a de- fairly decent result. Um, and I guess the United, the way the United draw, it felt like a win. I know it wasn't a win, mm. but it sort of felt like one. Uh, so maybe a half scalp uh, for that one. Yeah, no, I mean, it's a good result, but you know what I mean. Yeah, I know, and there is normal. There's normally, you know, the Arsenal. The Ars- there's there's an Arsenal three nil every couple of years. Uh, there's a, there seems to be a weird city win at the Etihad for absolutely no reason every couple of years as well. So um, yeah, I can understand uh, why sixteenth. Why you've said that, and why other people are saying it. I thought there's an interesting reply here from Nav, who's obviously one of our regulars and uh, yeah, has been on the post match pod a few times, who's put for the grade points A, performances D. Jack, that's an interesting way of putting it because actually, points-wise, it's not too bad. Yeah, no, it's a, it's probably a, a fair summary of of the performance not being particularly good, but we still gathered the points that we need to be where we are at this point in the season. So yeah, I I kind of get that. Um, and if you kind of merge the two, you're looking at that kind of B minus spot. So I'm with Nav on that one. Uh, yeah, I, I can I completely get that because if if someone had said. Um, at the start of the season, end of January, you'll be twelfth. You'll be like, yeah, take yeah. it. Like, yeah. it's kind of yeah. it sounds all right. Um, but it's yeah, it's the order of the games. Although, like what I said about our next run of games being hard, the run in looks a lot easier because obviously it has to balance itself out. Yeah. Um, but it, then so again, like don't teams play... like Fulham being good, that's really annoying. They're not meant yeah. to be good. I thought I know. you bank that on them annoying. to go straight back down. Yeah. 
So we don't play anyone currently below us in the team until April. Is that right? Something ridiculous like that, and and by that kind of run of fixtures. Yeah, that and that would be that's yeah. That would be Leicester, who who could yeah. be who could, could be good again. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's a it's a weird season. I guess the key will be, you know, I I wouldn't have said we'd take two points on the two games we've just taken points from after the performances that we had going into those games. Um, yeah. But so I guess it, when it comes to April and, you know, say the next run of fixtures goes as badly as it could do. Although, you know, Brentford away, you shouldn't be scared of that. Brighton is a derby. You never know what happens in a derby. Um, you know, we might pick up the odd point there. I guess the focus will be on how well Vieira gets a group of players together that have gone through a pretty poor spell in terms of results into that April, May time when, as you say, Ruben, there'll be games where we could be taking points from. So... That'll be the key point should the season go as as we probably think it will do. Um, but yeah, interesting couple of months ahead. I think there's some positivity as well in the fact that our points aren't too bad and performances have been really erratic actually this season in terms of some of the people we've, we've lost to. But I think everyone knows we could and should do better and I think that is a better place to be in than knowing you're sort of getting cut adrift or knowing you're not in games. I think we've shown that, that we can be and we should do better. And that's really been a theme, I think, of Vieira Viable, I guess, for the last two years. Um, so it can get better and we can do okay. But obviously, as we know with the Premier League, any, anything can happen. And actually, there are a lot of teams who you'd bank on being bad this season are starting to play quite well. And that worries me a little bit about people getting sucked in towards the bottom of the league. But I think we'll be okay. Famous last words from me, which are now documented forever. Um, <laughs> well, you can, uh, you can edit them out if you want. You I are, can do. I, you are yeah. the master of your future. Oh, I like that. That's very nice. That's a lovely place to end. That sounds like the sort of thing I'd have on a poster with a sort of a, a nice sunset background, um, which I might get printed. Okay. Um, but that's a lovely place to end. Uh, Ruben, thanks for coming on. Solid debut. Very solid debut. Thank, Thank you very much. You on. More really, than solid. Really solid. Um, More uh, than solid. Maybe you'll join us again in the future at some point. Yeah, I'd love to. Thank you very much for having me. Top man. Jack, great to have you here as well. Thank our, you, Jim. Our constant. You, you are our Jedi. I will take that. And now I'm going to put that on a poster. <laughs> there we go. Uh, from person of note, Jim Daly. So um, that's getting cut. That is getting cut. Um, thanks for our listeners. No pod next week uh, because of Palace being terrible in the FA Cup. But we're back. Just played United. After. We previewed them a couple of weeks ago. We, you know what's going to come. Yeah, exactly. You know. <laughs> Literally, they, I don't think we need to. Um, we're back after the United game then. Back uh, with it. I think the patrons might be getting a transfer pod of some sort during the week. Um, so keep an ear up for that if you're on the patrons. What, um, to analyse no signings? <laughs> yeah, basically. Yeah. Which is an hour of silence. Fantastic, yeah. Oh, that'd be great. Like Kanye, that's something Kanye West would do and his fans would all pretend it was genius. Yeah, yeah exactly. About an album of silence. <laughs> Let's try that and see what happens. So anyway, thank you very much for listening. Enjoy uh, the couple of weeks off if we have no palace and we're back soon. Uh, but until then, take care and we'll see you again very soon. Goodbye. When it comes to business and meeting travel in Orlando, it's never business as usual. Sure, I could go on for days about all the incredible places to hold your meeting or the innovative industries that will make you feel right at home. But Dr. Michael Edwards of Ocean Insights said it best. Orlando is as much a business capital as an entertainment one. And when work wraps up for the day, the evening is just getting started. I'd love to tell you about all the 46 Michelin-rated restaurants, or the array of outstanding dishes that'll have you coming back again and again. 
but executive chef Guillaume Rabin of Lake Nona Wave Hotel can sum it up better than me. Orlando has a world of artisans, so you can try incredible cuisines from across the globe. It's so true, and there's so much more. So dive in and see what's happening in Orlando, where the possibilities for business travel are unbelievably real. Learn more at orlandoforbusiness.com. Sports Social Podcast Network.